0: Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. Thank you. So, um okay, I I had listeners ask me um how's how's the saga with Disney Plus going? Cuz I uh-huh. went into great detail last week about it. It is working on my television. Um I called Sony, the Sony folks, and said, "Okay, this is all being blamed on you. And I went through the whole thing. And I think the guy, the fellow at the other end, he was very nice. I forget what his name was. And he said, he seemed to be familiar with them being blamed hmm. <laughs> or something. But he said, it's not us. It's not the Sony TV. But he helped me troubleshoot my Apple TV. And then that, that helped. But then it is a weird thing. Our house router is not its signal is weaker and because i had a new tv delivered today um because the television uh, I, I think it was all part of my long story you know the upstairs television went out yeah so I was, i'm moving to bravi upstairs so the new tv arrived today and they noticed that the signal was low because i've been noticing that um Disney and even Netflix There's a little buffering going on And I didn't have that problem And they asked me about it. I said, you know, that started like two weeks ago When I had all these problems with Disney Plus Plus. And the other, the, in the Geek Squad The other fellow said You know, I've been having that problem too For about two weeks So I said, I don't know what's going on So they said to contact my um, my, cable, my internet provider And ask them if they could help me Troubleshoot a little to see why there's suddenly an issue with the signal. So I have Disney Plus, and it works on both of the televisions. So I'm very happy. And thank you for um, the listener who offered to assist me um, oh. with with my trouble. That was very sweet. I appreciate it. So I saw. I read today. Speaking of, of things on TV and all that, Disney has paid seventy five million dollars for. The rights. I guess they filmed Hamilton already, mm-hmm. the stage version of the original cast. So now they paid seventy-five million dollars for the film rights to show it, distribute it. Yeah. So, um, well, I saw Newsies, and I, you know, on stage, I saw it several times. I saw, well, I saw it on stage, and then I saw their film version. I really thought they did a fairly good job with the film version, although i don't know why everybody always thinks we need to see the audience reaction yeah see
1: i and that's i wasn't a huge fan of watching newsies so unfortunately i never got a chance to see it in uh on while it was in theaters and then um and not even the movie version just the 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 musical version i never got mm -hmm. to to see it as it came around and like i think it only made it to orlando once so far so it's just never been an option for me so the first time i got to watch it was was on on the one that they released in theaters and then pretty quickly after on streaming services but i felt like i felt like i couldn't get a good grasp on the entire show because it was you know it was keeping tight on the characters it wasn't let them really play out in their their greater environment Cutaways. It was just there was a lot that was distracting for me with it. So it's it, and I know there's been other musicals out there that have uh, had their show recording versions released. So it, there's definitely an art to it. But Newsies was one where I was just like, man, that's not my favorite. But you know, Disney directly would have had an impact on that one where this was already done with hamilton it's already been done for for years now and that wasn't under disney's control so really it was on however lin-manuel miranda wanted it done so uh it's it, it, at least disney can't get in the way of that vision since it's already a finished
0: project Hmm. so yeah so 75 million uh I- is that a lot for something like this?
1: Do um, you think? Well, for something like this, yeah. But in in the grand scheme of things, uh, seventy five million dollars like your, your biggest budget Marvel Star Wars it's that's going to be, you know, four or five times that mm-hmm. budget. So it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much. But uh, it's you know, you and I were talking about it before the show. It's you. Said in terms for you, and what what you would budget for for shows and stuff that you don't know if you'll ever be able to see Hamilton in in an actual theater. So uh, to so to take a show like that that most people are in that same boat they they either don't have a touring cast coming near them they they won't be able to get to new york whatever the reason is price uh it's this is now bringing a way for everyone to be able to see it and Mm -hmm. it's something that a lot of people still want to see it's just not an option that's that they can can roll with
0: yeah yeah i'm excited i'm glad that it's going to be coming out so that's yeah. great yeah i
1: just yeah. Uh, i i've only seen it once and i am i just love that show so much but as you know as we talk about on this show a lot you and i are history buffs so mm-hmm. uh even though it's a it's a nice take on our history uh, it you know it just has enough of those little little snippets in there because the entire story is is our nation's history it it just has enough to kind of like appeal to the masses but also appeal to to us uh history nerds in that way but uh it so yeah the the show is is just incredible i really i I really just hope with the camera work on it though i hope it i hope it can portray what it's like to actually be in the theater and and watch it because it's it's a show that like if they do try to do a lot of close-ups on the characters you're really missing out on what's going on in the background and i know they're smart enough to also know that when they're putting it all together but like i almost i that's i just i want it to be done right in that way but uh, i'm very very excited for it
0: yeah, yeah, me too. Good. All right, looking forward to it. Um, okay. Oh, um, last week I mentioned the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meat tickets, and as of this, the day we were recording this episode, tickets are sold out. I, I they sold out in just a a few days so anyway but i'm sure that i'm planning on going i'm sure we'll do an episode on it if you're there be sure to say hello and then uh, yeah we got a couple of episodes out of that last time so Mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll be definitely talking about it again if you're um, not able to go you can you can go with me virtually to it. Uh, A reminder, that wonderful exhibition at the Walt Disney Family Museum, Walt Disney from Walt to the World ends on February 17th. And I will be at the museum this Saturday. I believe it's this Saturday. Uh, I think uh, Andreas Dejan and Mark Hen are um, doing a presentation on the exhibit as it wraps up. So I'll be looking forward to that. Now some Of our most popular episodes have been the discussions Craig and I had when Turner Classic Movies broadcast its seasonal releases of Treasures from the Disney Vault. And we had speculated if this series would continue after the debut of Disney Plus. Well, I had been told. When I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum at an event, uh, when some members of the Academy of Arts and Sciences were there who had worked with Disney and TCM on this series, they said that it would continue with Leonard Malton. Um, however, a listener reported to us that Leonard Malton told them at an event that his contract had expired and that the series was over. So, after being a staple for over five years, there was no Treasures from the Disney Vault broadcast in December 2019. And I haven't seen any on the Turner Classic movie schedule for March. Mm, so, yeah, not a good time. I, yeah, I have a feeling it, it's gone. So. So to fill this gap, Craig and I are going to host our own seasonally themed episodes suggesting films you may want to watch on Disney Plus or other home media. We did this last 4th of July and received, uh, you know, positive feedback. So for this installment, we are not going to go deep into the background of the films on our lists, but instead tell you why we selected them. And in the future, we may delve more into the stories behind the films. In this episode, Craig and I are sharing our recommendations for that perfect Valentine's Day of Disney films and shorts available on Disney+. So after enjoying a romantic meal with your special someone, snuggle up together with a bowl of popcorn, your favorite beverage, and a box of conversation hearts or chocolates, and enjoy Walt Disney's classic movies from the Disney Plus Vault with Michael and Craig. So we're just going to take turns going through our recommendations for you. Uh So I'm going to start off the evening with a short because you always have a short before a film, or you should. And I chose Steamboat Willie from 1928. And when Steamboat Willie debuted on November 18, 1928 at the Colony Theater in New York, it was the first time we met Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And this was the first time they met each other. So it's in this groundbreaking cartoon that we see their budding romance. That would continue for over ninety years to this day. So it just seems fitting that you kick off Valentine's Day with uh, as a Disney fan with seeing the start of the relationship of Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, no, it's an excellent choice. And actually
1: when you when you sent this over, I it kind of did catch me off guard for a second. I was like, huh. She uh, he chose Steamboat Willie, and then you know it sat with it. I'm like, no, actually, that does make sense if, with with a lot of the reasoning you said. So I think it I think it fits. I think I think there's a lot of shorts that you could use that really mm-hmm. uh, that really show off Mickey and Minnie's relationship and and that romantic chemistry. And I think it's actually a big proponent of the the new Mickey Mouse. Cartoons as much as you don't like them, I think it uh it definitely relies a lot on Mickey trying to woo Minnie and so uh, there there's plenty to choose from and if there wasn't so many good choices out there that honestly i I was going to choose uh, a, one of the new Mickey Mouse shorts to put on my list
0: okay sounds good yeah you're right with the new shorts that I have seen they all do seem to be Mickey um Trying to get to Minnie or help Minnie or save yeah. Minnie or, or
1: something like that or impress Minnie. The one I was mm-hmm. gonna put on, if I would have, was I'm sure it's one of the only uh, one of the few that you saw and enjoyed, but was the uh, the Rainbow Caverns episode where Minnie Mickey's trying to to take mini to the Rainbow Caverns and of course it's just it, it really focuses heavily on, on Frontierland and a lot of the aspects that you and I love about mm. Frontierland and oh it's my favorite one. Oh, and the I'll have fact, to check it out. You haven't seen it? No, I don't oh. watch them. You, Michael <laughs> you, that one I think will change your mind about a lot of, of it and even there's even a way in it where I feel like they were thinking about runaway railway ahead of time uh with this short before they Mm -hmm. even decided to do in the parks it's good
0: so okay well i'll look for it but i just i just can't get past the animation I, i this episode though you you will but
1: uh well unfortunately though that doesn't matter for uh (laughs) it's not on your list because it's not officially (laughs) on my list so everyone uh take take what i just said and throw it out the window because Mm -hmm. it does not matter at all but uh are we ready for my first pick yeah, we are. No, I uh, for my first pick, I had to go with a a movie that is near and dear to my heart, one of the most important movies uh, in in my wife and I's relationship, and uh, to the point where we uh, during our wedding uh, we had Kylie walking down the aisle to to uh, the song from this movie, which uh, many people know as Married Life, because for for my first pick, I'm going with Up so uh it it seems like an unconventional choice when you think of the movie as a whole because of course if if you're not familiar with up which if you're not i don't i don't think i really want to be friends with you in the long run but uh to to sum up up for the most part it it's about an an old man who you know tethers his entire house to a ton and ton of balloons and in order basically to float his way from North America to South America to to land at the spot that his wife and him had been dreaming about going to since they were kids and and wanting to visit it and saving up money and and every time they they save a penny then something goes wrong along the along the way but you know they still love each other and they still push forward in it and you know on the way from him floating there two to Paradise Falls, of course, hijinks ensue and continue to ensue once they're there. While while the old man Carl is joined alongside by by a young scout, wilderness explorer Russell and and Doug, the the mysterious talking dog, along along with other characters. Uh, of course, I recommend the movie, but uh, most people. Ultimately, don't know the movie for the actual plot they know it for what we all consider the first five minutes of the movie to be one of yes. the most <laughs> romantic points in any movie any pixar movie let alone any animated movie followed by the biggest heartbreak in the world all in that five minutes in the beginning mm-hmm. and uh it's you know even though it it does end with ellie dying there at the end of the montage it's just such a beautiful sequence that like it to me it I just said it it's one of the most romantic ones so for for valentine's day it's a shoe in and you know you, you can say oh well nothing else about the the movie really screams valentine's day or fits in but you know it's it throughout the entire journey carl is he's carrying ellie with him the entire way and is and he's doing it not just for him He Talks to her the entire time, saying that you know how he's keep moving on forward with it, and and then they even they even revisit a, another touching moment that is technically between the two of them while he's looking back on the photos of of her that is like if you forgot that it was a sad love movie that comes and punches you back in the stomach again, uh, right before the the fun ending sequence. But to me, yeah, it's just it's everything about it just screams this is a good movie to watch on valentine's day and you get the good cry in there too and it's just it's such an enjoyable enjoyable pixar movie
0: well and it's his loving memories of her and her enduring spirit that is still within him that he rediscovers that really motivates him and carries him through yeah. this film so that romance is there throughout the film and it even and it's and it's responsible for his transformation yeah you know at the end exactly
1: going so from i think it's old wonderful. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to finally renewed with spirit and mm-hmm. and life and Making sure that you make the most out of every day and continue your adventure on.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I this almost made my list because I agree with everything you said, and I I think it's a wonderful film to uh, to watch with your special someone. Yeah, on Valentine's Day. So, for mine, it's it has animals in it too, like, like up in uh you know it doesn't have Doug in it <laughs> but still but talking it, dogs <laughs> but it still has talking dogs that's right and that is 1955's lady and the tramp and th- this uh, we, th- we've talked about this film i think in more detail before mm-hmm. but of course this is about you know it's a. Uh, film about a female cocker spaniel named Lady who lives with a refined upper middle class family and the male stray mutt named Tramp who wanders into her life and you know romance is throughout this film you know it starts on Christmas with Jim Deere Giving Darling a cocker spaniel puppy uh, in in of course a, a hat box because this is of course is filmed you know turn of the previous century uh, when women wore hats and 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 what's wonderful is that that scene is based on an actual event when Walt Disney gave Lillian a Chow puppy in a hat box for Christmas it was all orchestrated and. Because Walt wanted a dog. And Lillian said she would never have a dog because they shed and all this stuff. And so, of course, Walt immediately goes to the studio and starts researching and finds out that chows don't shed. And so he tells her this. She says, well, okay, if I had to have a dog... That's the kind I would have. That's all Walt (laughs) needed to hear. And so he buys a chow puppy within like a couple of days, keeps it next door at Roy's house. And then at Christmas, one of their nieces always was played Santa Claus and she would hand out the gifts from beneath the tree. And so they had worked out how, when she would give this gift to Lillian and then they Walt had to work with Roy to get it from his house to under the tree and then when Lillian when when the niece announces oh this gift is from you know Uncle Walt Lillian is just so angry because she did not care for Walt's taste in hats and she thinks Walt has bought her a hat And now Walt bought this dog for himself but when Lillian opened the hat box saw this puppy she fell in love with it and it was her dog (laughs) it was her dog and And, uh, from the beginning and so that's sort of so that's what's charming about this first scene. But the theme of selfless friendship Mm -hmm. runs through the film, you know, between Lady and the Scottish terrier jock and the bloodhound trusty, her neighbors. Um, Then you have the whole blossoming romance between Lady and the streetwise tramp. And it's not smooth, like most romances, but there's bumps along the way. But tramp selfless heroism after lady rejects him you know wins her heart and of course there is the scene (laughs) the one of the most romantic scenes Mm -hmm. of all times at luigi's italian restaurant this is the scene that is always in the list of top 10 most romantic scenes of any film and that's of course when they're sharing the spaghetti and meatballs, and, and when you think that that Walt wanted that scene cut until uh, until and which of course he said that because he knew it could be better, and he knew if he said that the animator would make it better, and he did, and um, and so anyway, and and. So right there, perfect Valentine's Day scene. And then the film ends with another Christmas, and Lady and the Tramp are all settled down with their puppies and their human family, you know? So, so and, you know, and Jock and Trustee are there, too. So this film has it all. I, um, I, you know, friendship, romance, family, uh, I mean, everything. So, um, I think it's a near-perfect film. Yeah, and I honestly... I,
1: I didn't really think of it, uh, you know, in the romance section with with even the Christmas scenes and the beginning and end, because... It, no, it didn't scream it to me and you know you completely sold me on that but this beyond that just because of the bella Note scene like that mm-hmm. that was going to seal this on being on the list in fact when we we talked about this idea and we started saying how many are we going to put on our lists and you know that small talk about that the one thing that we said unanimously at that moment was well we know that lady and the tramp's gonna be on so uh-huh. one of us will talk about that and beyond that everything else we had to actually go go off and look it up on disney plus and think about so uh yeah, lady and the tramp had to be on here mm-hmm.
0: and this is the animated one it is not <laughs> the live action disney plus version yeah <laughs>
1: and maybe that'll make it in your 2040 updated list yeah no. No, Okay. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? At least you stick to uh you stick to your guns in that way. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, for my next pick, I'm actually going to stick in the Pixar family and go with a movie that I think ultimately uh, is even more romantic than Up. And uh, when when I started remaking my list, Up was the first one I put on and then I thought about it and it's like, "Okay, what are my other favorite Pixar movies?" And my next favorite Pixar movie it's like actually, yeah, that would that would fit the romance even better than Up. And my second favorite is Wall-E, of course the uh, mm-hmm. the amazing Pixar film from two thousand and eight that is very well known for the fact that the first forty of the minute forty minutes of the movie, there's not even a character that truly speaks in a way, and that's because Wall-E is the story of a a waste compactor robot who's on earth after humans completely uh, destroyed and ruined it thanks to their their love of of big corporations making lots of trash and in bad consumerism but we're not talking about the the political agenda of the movie uh just what it's about and so while he's just living in this world continuing to do his job day to day but over that course of time, he's also developed a personality, and one of his his favorite things to do is is watch
0: his VHS tape of Hello Dolly, and <laughs> and isn't that so obscure? That's what always got me about that. It, <laughs> so what an obscure reference! It is, but I mean, I <laughs> and I love it though. It, you
1: know, hundred percent, and you know, ultimately. It, but the reason that works so well is then of course he's you know he loves put on your sunday clothes but uh the other song that they feature prominently in the movie is it only takes a moment which is the mm-hmm. the big love number in in hello dolly with that and so it ends up working well to its advantage that they just found a song that that mimics what will end up being his relationship which is with Eve who is a robot who is sent down to kind of probe the land to to see if there's any any plants growing so that way the the spaceships can come back with all the humans that went away and they can start to repopulate the earth and start start over again on the earth and so Wally falls in love instantly but eve is begrudging all the way and you know as they end up in space to deliver the plant that she does find to to let them know that they can come home uh wally's following along the way and and their romance starts blossoming as she starts getting a little bit less cut off and and or not cut off but uh, a little less impatient with him and uh he just—I don't want to say—he just wears her down over time, but
0: that's kind of <laughs> what he is does persistent. happen. persistent. That yeah. was what I always thought of Wally. He's persistent, yeah, and, in his in his <laughs> sort of bumbling, cute way.
1: Yeah, and I kind of didn't really think about that so much until this very moment but yeah he's he's a little bit in in this day and age some might say he needs to back up a little bit but as at the time it was uh it was beautiful watching their romance mm-hmm. progress and like you know for me it's it's one of those moments where you think that he had a breakthrough with Eve when they uh, during the defined dancing sequence of the movie where Wally's using a, a fire hydrant to Mm -hmm. propel himself while Eve's able to just move around in space. And it's this, oh, it's one of my favorite pieces of musical score, but then also mixed with beautiful imagery of the two really connecting for that, that first time and seeing it on, on a different level. And then they're still tested beyond that, but ultimately it ends with, with them ending up together as it only takes a moment is playing. And it's just, to me, it, yeah, even though it is about a very persistent robot who won't, who won't take a hint, he uh, breaks her down until she <laughs> agrees to love him forever. And, yeah, that's just plain romance.
0: <laughs> well, what I, what I always found remarkable about this film is, well, one, is they managed to make a cockroach lovable. Yes. <laughs> Wally's friend, Hal. But also, I think it reminds us the many, many ways – we communicate affection without words because mm-hmm. they never speak words in this yet we completely believe and understand that there is an affection between them because they communicate it in such a different variety of ways and and i think that's a reminder to us that we communicate affection in many, many different ways yeah. as well.
1: And, uh, you know, there's another... There, it's not even just Wally and Eve that uh, develop a romance. There's also uh, on the actual ship... Oh, that, the Axiom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the Axiom, you then... Uh, there's There are um, two characters that, you know, Wally crosses and his, his hijinks and stuff that he kind of knocks them off the course that they're living on the axiom. And that's, um, the John and Mary characters. That's John Ratzenberger and Kathleen and and Jimmy just perfect. But you know, everyone who's on this ship has been riding around in these comfort (laughs) chairs that do everything for them and they get fat and they, they don't walk anymore and they're connected to screens that are, constantly alerting them of what they can do next but they're just even then they're not connected to anything they're only connected to this technology and you know this is 2009 when this is released or 2008 so this is still 10 years before i'd say that maybe five years before things got way too crazy with people just not being able to take their their eyes off their screens and mm-hmm. it's it started seeing that in terms of the downfall of humanity but these two characters they get knocked out of that by wally and and after that you know it's they're kind they fall in love almost instantly because for the first time they're noticing someone around them and so yeah it's 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 nice that you have two of those love stories happening out right mm-hmm. in this movie
0: yeah so so another good choice well i I have another short um to share and this is called Mickey's Rival from nineteen thirty six and this one is notable because it's the animated debut of Mortimer Mouse, who is one of mickey's old friends and he's a rival of mickey's so in this one Mickey and Minnie are enjoying a picnic when Mortimer drives up in his you know really cool sports car and he uh, Basically, crashes it into Mickey's old jalopy, and Mortimer joins them on the picnic at Mickey's invita- Minnie's invitation, which Mickey is not happy about, and he sort of starts sulking. Well, Mortimer's attempts to impress Minnie backfire, which puts Minnie in peril, and then Mortimer just drives off, <laughs> and um, Mickey rescues Minnie, and he asks if Mortimer is her new boyfriend. And Minnie says they are just friends. And Mickey and Minnie shake on it, confirming their relationship. So here's where we see the commitment in their relationship. Yeah. And, and then the rest is history. So, you know, you always have that moment when you commit this is this is it for the rest of your life and and we see this here in mickey's rival between minnie and mickey i dislike mortimer
1: so i'm
0: he was very a very unlikable character yeah they
1: they made him (laughs) they made him very well in that regards and it actually it works for me because of that because i'm like ugh it's yeah.
0: uh, it, I, he just oozed
1: sleaziness. Yeah.
0: You know, but he was the city slicker too, you know?
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does not remind me of anyone I know, but uh I guess that's a good thing and I can say if I did know anyone like him, I would not like them, so mm-hmm. I'm, glad to, I'm glad that I'm glad that they don't exist in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. But that is uh, another excellent pick and uh with my next pick, I'm going to uh take us take us uh not too far off from my ears which i'm looking at my list right now and i didn't realize that five of my six picks were all within a three-year gap of each other (laughs) Uh, but hey at least i have a theme going but my next pick is actually going to be tangled from 2010 so uh going going into the disney cg game and uh you know definitely the the beginning of in my opinion to the the new uh, not renaissance but whatever whatever era you want to consider oh, d- this i think they call this the disney revival era yeah so it's i think this is definitely the kickoff and uh still one of the best movies made but for those who who haven't seen it or new to Disney movies, uh, in case you don't know anything about it, it's Tangled is a take on the Rapunzel story, not Rapunzel, Rapunzel, and in the entire movie is about Rapunzel and yeah, uh, her mother, who she believes is her mother, kidnaps her as a child because of her golden hair with healing powers, and as it, it can't cut it, of course, so it has to grow long and. And long and long and long, and every day Rapunzel has to to let down her her hair for her her kidnapper of a mother. But uh, one thing that Rapunzel does see while she's locked away in her tower is every year on her birthday, ironically enough, all these. All these lanterns are released in the sky and so as rapunzel gets to to her 18th birthday she all she wants is to see the lanterns on her birthday she wants to see the lights and and you know it's her mother does not want her to leave and and get out and she kind of has to just obey that but luckily fate puts in her way a, a thief and a scoundrel named flynn rider who who inevitably after an escape has to go up Rapunzel's tower and comes face to face with him, And, uh, she's, she is not happy with him getting in the tower and definitely apprehensive of this character. But she, she eventually gets to, uh, to, to make him make a deal with her that he will take her to see the lights. And, 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 you know, because she's she's holding on to his his treasure that he wants more than anything. So, of course, lots of hijinks have to ensue on their way to get Rapunzel to be able to see the lights. And as they're uh, put into peril multiple times and through musical numbers, eventually they start to uh, to form a fondness for each other that kind of culminates during uh, at last I see the light which is their their big romantic number too is they're releasing a lantern up into the sky along with everyone else and you know it's just a beautiful romantic sequence but uh for me in spoilers of course and all of this it hits home with its romance when when finn is or not finn when flynn I'm starting to throw star wars in there uh hmm. when when he is ultimately uh he is ultimately injured by by Rapunzel's mother Gotha. She uh, she is desperate to save him, and uh, he he makes a decision that will that should doom himself uh, because of because of the choice he made. But ultimately, uh, with a tear, a healing tear that fell out of Rapunzel's eye, she is able to to restore him which i believe was not just with the hair but also with her love and that allows them to get married and and live a happy life together so uh, it just it's it's another one of those ones kind of like Wally, where uh and like a lot of romance stories where it's it's two two people opposed to each other but uh you, you keep them in the right company enough then and then eventually they're gonna fall in love because that's how movies go yep
0: yeah. yep yeah. Yeah, and then as a married couple they attend Elsa's uh coronation in prison <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, is,
1: that is true. And I think they do other stuff in their uh in their spin off animated series, but I haven't watched it yet, so I can't tell you. <laughs> I
0: haven't watched it yet either. But this was very popular in its day. I remember my granddaughter loved this one. Oh yeah. But um but I, I yeah, I I enjoy this film very much it's lively i like the how flynn rider goes from being self-absorbed you know with his what is it the sizzle is that what he calls it the look uh it's
1: the the smolder
0: smolder the smolter. smolder yeah that's sure to win over the, uh, the any woman and of course doesn't win over rapunzel yeah which and um and then, and then it just goes from there, where he can step outside of himself and um, take care of Rapunzel and help her in her quest, and you know, and he puts everything that he wanted to do aside to help her, you know, sort of fulfill herself. Yeah. So it's it, yeah, it's a it's a lovely, lovely story. Yeah, great for Valentine's Day. So, okay, mine. A different kind of love story. (laughs) That's the um, Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1996. Mm -hmm. And and this one is very loosely based on Victor Hugo's novel of the same name. Um, But most of it is changed to make it more family friendly. Uh, The plot centers on Esmeralda, the gypsy dancer. And then there's Claude Frollo. He's a powerful and ruthless minister of justice who lusts after her, and plans to basically commit genocide by killing all the gypsies that live in Paris. Quasimodo is our hero, our protagonist. He's Notre Dame's, you know, kind-hearted but uh, deformed Bellringo who adores her. And he, you know he's struggling to gain acceptance to into society and, and he wants to save the gypsies who live in Paris from Frollo who plans to kill all of them and then there's Phoebus the the chivalrous um, military captain who you know who has an affection for uh, for um for esmeralda so um, anyway th- this film is a tragic story of unrequited love and loyalty. And it's filled with a surprising amount of adult themes in here. I I would not let young children watch this film. Uh, You open yourself up to a whole lot of questions. (laughs) Um, and, And You know, there's an oppressed gypsy woman, and she's able to see past Quasimodo's appearance. And she recognizes his kindness and compassion, and she befriends him. And the military captain, Phoebus, ultimately refuses to follow Judge Frollo's orders to persecute the gypsies, and he falls in love with Esmeralda. But the heartbroken Quasimodo realizes this, and we've all been there Mm-hmm. You know, um, so he has a choice. He can either be angry and and vengeful that that you know uh, Phoebus has stolen the object of his affection, but and you see this transformation happen. All this plays through on Quasimodo's face in a matter of moments. The animators do a really good job of this, and he realizes these are still his friends. You know, yeah. and he saves his friends from Frollo's blind wrath so in an ending very different from the book and the stage version which if you ever have a chance to see it I highly recommend it um, because it takes from both the film and the book um, Esmeralda and Phoebus welcome Quasimodo into a new life outside of the walls of Notre Dame Cathedral Um, And Quasimodo is ultimately accepted by the townspeople um, for who he is. So, there's a lot going on in this film here, uh, relationship-wise, between love and heartbreak and acceptance and joy. I I mean, there's every emotion of relationships in this. Oh, yeah. and. Um it's ultimately it, it's a it's a it's a lovely film. You know the the, the gargoyles annoy me and I could have yeah. done without them but I I know that was in there for humor because it's still a heavy story even though they took out a lot of the elements from the f- book. Yeah. And um and and also marketability to, oh, yeah. to young kids they needed those three in there but um,
1: yeah i mean i was nine when it came out and i loved the movie and i will say a big part of it was because of the gargoyles and then it helped even more that that my dad was a huge fan of seinfeld so of course not just the Mm -hmm. gargoyles but i knew that that was i knew that was jason alexander george costanza's voice with it so like it even that added that next level to it as well, too. So, um, yeah, I as an adult, I wish they weren't in there, but as a kid, I loved them.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. So I, it's it's a it's a wonderful story of friendship and love and acceptance, and um, so I, uh, this is always one of my top Disney films, and and it still shocks me because I did rewatch it this past week and it it does it always shocks me it got made (laughs) Yeah. uh,
1: But the good things about it are just so good. And I was actually Mm -hmm. thinking about this uh, when I was coming up with my list. The Renaissance really was a very romantic period because Mm -hmm. I love your choice of Hunchback. And I think I think it's actually the nice sleeper choice. But we could have chosen basically every single movie for one reason oh, yeah. or another from that period from little mermaid all the way up through, I would say Hercules. I know Milan and mm-hmm. Tarzan are still in there, but I'll, I'll leave it at Hercules, even though Tarzan could get away with that too. But really in that entire stretch, besides the rescuers down under everything, beauty and the beast, Pocahontas, yeah. candy, uh, the lion King, uh, everything.
0: It just. It was a very romantic period. It was. It was. And and it's funny because you saying that. I when I when you sent me your list and um because I'd I'd sent you my list prior. I thought, okay, there is one list. There was one film. I was amazed did not make it on our list from this era, and because it it it's a big romantic film and they even remade it into a live action one and um and folks will figure it out once we get to the end of our list. So, but I was surprised it didn't make it in here. Yeah. So. It was close, but uh mm-hmm. I'm going
1: to uh only uh as I said, I'm all kind of close together, With I I said 5 out of 6 before. It was 4 out of 6 that I'm very close <laughs> together on, which that's still uh, inexcusable in a way. And uh my next one I'm going to go from the year uh, from the year 2010 all the way down to 2009, and <laughs> my next choice is Princess and the Frog. So, again, from 2009, the the last uh, the last great effort at bringing hand drawn animation back into the mix, and and this uh, this movie is also I. Uh, I think very similar to Hunchback in a way that there is there is definitely a romantic feeling that develops in the movie between characters. But then there's there's again another character who has one of the most romantic viewpoints in it and Mm -hmm. get to that. But if you haven't seen it, you know, it's a, a kind of a fun take on. On the frog prince which they even talk about it the book in the movie that uh, our main character tiana is her her friend is obsessed with it growing up which <laughs> of course that's where we get one of the classic lines where tiana ew i will never kiss a frog and of course that has to set up then what the entire plot of the movie is going to go into but uh, tiana grows up and you know it's her dream to open up a restaurant one with with her father who ultimately parishes but she's still maintained this very independent spirit one of the most independent uh, women in any Disney movie which was also a big turning point for them in that way uh, you know as as it was with other stuff like Mulan even and uh, it's a very strong Character, but uh, Tiana's counterpart in this adventure is Prince Naveen, who is uh, he comes from Maldonia, some made up place,
0: some obscure <laughs> yeah. country where I'm not even sure what his ethnic background is he, in the he, parks. <laughs> It's all over yeah. the place. <laughs> I believe they would call that question mark. That's his. Um, he's very
1: much like the uh, lore behind David S. Pumpkins. It's just it's kind of a question <laughs> as to who he's about and where he's from. Besides, we know the place. We don't know where it's at, but yeah. Anyways, Prince Naveen shows up in in New Orleans, and he is a prince, and everyone's excited for him. But uh, it turns out that he is uh, not not great with money, and so he's coming there looking. To find a lady with money and uh so but ultimately he makes a, a deal with with the uh, voodoo man dr facilier and the shadow man technically uh dr facilier and that transforms him into a frog and you know he's it comes in touch with tiana who was at a party or the party that naveen should have been there but Tiana was dressed up as a princess after having something spilt on her so she just puts on one of her friend's dresses and her friend wants to be the one to marry Naveen so of course she's all always dolled up like a princess and Tiana gets in there too so she ends up kissing this frog into a frog herself and so then it's, it's on to try to figure out how they can both get turned back and uh, you know along the way they fall in love and and it's uh, it it all ends well. I will just say that. And mm-hmm. the one thing I referenced that I said is one of my I think the most romantic parts of the movie is besides the relationship that builds between Tiana and Naveen, which I think is a little flimsy here and there. So maybe not the best at a at a true relationship. But uh, one of the characters that helps with them along their way is is a little firefly that's named Ray and he is in love with a star in the sky that you know it's his Evangeline and sings this beautiful song from it and like it's literally it it, even though that becomes a plot point between later with with Tiana and Naveen I mean Ray loves Evangeline more than anything else in the world and and wants to be wants to be with her and he believes her to be a firefly even though she's just a star but it just it it, this movie oozes romanticism and then you know it's it's new orleans and it's it's heydays with jazz and you know on the rise so it's also just a romantic kind of setting and a romantic time period and even better beyond all of this is you know that takes place in new orleans and mardi gras is usually following falling somewhere in right in smack dab in the middle of february and or at the latest i guess sometimes maybe early march but chances are you can watch this as your mardi gras movie because the last part of the movie also takes place during mardi gras Mm -hmm. so it's kind of dual purpose you can you can watch it on valentine's day because it's romantic but also is a mardi gras movie so i think it's a good choice for that. that
0: Yeah, I think that this is my favorite modern animated Disney film. So I love Princess and the Frog. You know, it's the last, one of the last of the hand drawn animation. Actually, the the Winnie the Pooh film comes after this. Yeah. But um, at the time, it was the last hand drawn that they plot. One of the things I like about this is, you know, her friend Charlotte Leboeuf, they could have made her into a villain. Because you know Tiana gets Prince Naveen and yeah. all this stuff, and she be she's she helps Tiana. Yeah, she and, all along the way. She's a huge supporter of Niana from of Tiana from the time they were little girls on.
1: Yeah, and you know so much that it again, just like you said, she could have been mad that Tiana was getting getting him, but ultimately she's like she she has that moment where you know she's ready to move on to the next guy because eventually the right guy's going to come along and that's oh, yeah. a
0: good positive idea behind yeah. it yeah and again this is another example and it's true in a lot of these films one of the one of the characters steps out of themselves in order to help the other person because they realize they're in love with them mm-hmm. and 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 again that's a big theme in uh in the, in the princess and the frog yeah is Naveen has to realize, you know, he he cares about Tiana, and and not about himself and his needs and wants yeah. and all that. So um, I agree. Yeah, and, and and I love this. Yeah, the Jazz Age and um, yeah, and of course uh, the music. Oh, some of the best songs. You know, oh yeah, in, in a Disney film, and not
1: even just the songs, but then Randy Newman's score with it too is mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know because we all I, love him from I, his. I listen to Pixar, it. but yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, I listen to it all the time, and uh, you know, in you know, in Mickey and the Magical Map at Disneyland, Tiana's scene is my favorite, and that's basically she brings down the house. With yeah, that. yep, and and the same thing in sensational, her float. Oh, yeah. It was great. And again, her singing is fantastic. Yeah. Oh. They, they always, whomever portrays her, always has a marvelous voice. I,
1: it has to. It yeah.
0: really has to. Yeah. Well, I'm moving on to uh, d- d- now. I'm all over the place, but I think mine are uh, mine seem to be a lot older than yours. Um, no. <laughs> this is the original Parent Trap from 1961. So we're getting in a live action here. This stars Haley Mills in a dual row, dual role, and uh, of course, major. Actors at the time, Maureen O'Hara and Brian Keith are in this. And this is a story about teenage twins on a quest to reunite their divorced parents. Now, the screenplay is by the film's director, David Swift. There's gonna be a couple names in here you want to remember for a, a film coming up. And it was based upon the 1949 book Lottie and Lisa by Eric Kastner. And it was it was a German book. I'm gonna attempt <laughs> to, pronounce, to pronounce the real name. Now, even when I was a boy, I was horrified that divorced parents would separate children and keep them secret from one another. Oh yeah, no, it's messed up. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, and, and they were on separate coasts, and and not only that, not only do they keep them secret, but the ch- the girls never met the other parent this whole time and the grandparents all kept the secret you know and, and all that i mean it, it it's a horrible conspiracy oh, there were a lot I of dirtballs in that family oh my gosh i mean the, the years of therapy the children would normally go through uh, but anyway so despite that and other outdated social elements in this film this film is still a delight so after handling the shock of meeting each other at summer camp remarkably well um, watching Sharon and Susan who are the characters names that Haley Mills portrays work through their plan for each of them to meet the other parent which results in them bringing their parents together is fun and um and and so just sort of cleverly done, and so much of this is due to the superb acting of Haley Mills. In and this is only her second film for the studio out of mm-hmm. the six that she did for them. Now, when Maggie, who's portrayed by Maureen O'Hara, and Mitch, who's Brian Keith, are reunited, you got to hand it to them. Their chemistry on screen—I don't—you I, can immediately feel it. So. You know that whatever happened in the past to split them up can be overcome if they can get past their stubbornness and tempers. Uh, I think some of the highlights in this film are the girls recreating their parents' first date and then the parents reminiscing and 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 you know those stirrings of romance are there mm-hmm. and and then the camping trip <laughs> Yep. designed yep. to bring out the true colors of Mitch's fiance Vicky who's played by Joanna Barnes and these are touching and they're hilarious and it's classic disney humor for the films of this era And the supporting, the supporting cast is amazing. It is just a who's who of, of character actors uh, of the era. Uh, uh, there's Kathleen Nesbitt uh, Charlie Ruggles Una Merkel Nancy Culp and Ruth McDevitt and these aren't throwaway characters they're fully used and they're critical to the story the humor and the personality of this film Um, I just think this is one of the very best Disney live action romantic comedies of this era because uh, everybody just feels so natural together Mm -hmm. And, um, it, again, despite all the stuff I said in the beginning, it's, this film is just really a joy to watch and, and laugh through and see, and see Maggie and Mitch remember why they loved each other and, um, and, and, and get together again.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, this was one of those ones that after i explained how lady in the tramp was one of those ones where we we talked about it that was the instant first one that stuck out is that oh it it has to be this but uh and i it's like yeah it just came to me instantly like it parent trap has to be on there and you know besides the entire plot of the movie and them getting together and and sneaking their parents into wanting to be together again and having let's get together and all about togetherness uh, the fr- the first thing that jumped out it, to me was the entire opening song of the movie the opening sequence mm-hmm. that is done with stop motion animated figures and hearts are everywhere but it it kind of you know it sets the the entire concept that it's going to be a love movie and it's going to end up happy and so I love that entire sequence that to mm-hmm. me is like it, it sets the stage
0: I agree I absolutely agree and of course who doesn't love Annette Finicella mm-hmm. of course it was you know they were filming um, Babes in Toyland and so Walt had them sing the um, title song yeah <laughs> um but yeah, I, and you know what? The Parent Trap,
1: I just, it, I can't think of, you know, besides Lady and the Tramp, I can't think of a better choice uh, in terms of those, those all-time classics. But uh, because it's such a good choice, I had to make for my next choice also The Parent Trap. But of course, I need to stand out from you, so... Uh, and I was going to put this one on anyways too, as as of being a person of the right age for it, but I have to put on the nineteen ninety eight remake of the movie, which of course starred Lindsay Lohan breaking her out to the world for for better or for worse uh, mm-hmm. but it it definitely did it, but I think this is one remake that i I think it's just as good as the original and you know as much as i think that the the original parent trap is is brilliant and it's one of the best live action disney movies and it it is a classic that shouldn't be forgotten uh, i think that we might already live in a day and age where if you said oh have you seen the parent trap more people would assume you're talking about the lindsay lohan one versus the the, the classic the classic one and that's you know for me i I go back to the original first, but you know, I I can say for a fact that I know my wife has never seen the original uh, Parent Trap, but she has definitely seen the Lindsay Lohan version. I would say probably at least six times since we've been oh, married. Right. So it's on. It is on ABC Family or Freeform or whatever it's called. It's on there
0: all the time. It's it's hard to escape <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but well, it might be it might enjoy it so much too because David Swift who wrote the. Sixty-one version was uh, is credited as a co-writer of the 1998
1: version and you know it's in plot I don't I really don't have to tell you uh, out there if you don't if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen the original you did a great job of saying the plot for for the original and it's essentially the exact same plot so it's just in the original movie they're both uh, both parents are in the United States just different coasts like you said but in this one uh it, it, nick the father played by um played by what's it, dennis quaid dennis quaid. who's fantastic in this is in you know he's in california and napa and runs a winery and is this rugged man and then and then the mother in it uh elizabeth she's actually not american she's british so at least uh, there's a bigger separation there to to kind of squash your entire thing of how terrible are these people that they're not talking about it at least they had an ocean in between them and not just uh both sides of the country but Mm -hmm. yeah it's that's that's where their location is different and then little plot points along the way but they pick out the best parts of the movie to include in in this uh in a way by like also you mentioned the the camping scene of course they do it again in this one and it's it's just as good as in this one as it was in the The original, but yeah, it just you know between the cast with Dennis Quaid and then Natasha Richardson plays the mother, and of course she's no longer with us, but she is she was a fantastic actress, and this launched Lindsay Lohan, and just like the original, it's 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 a good love story, and I mean directed by Nancy Myers, who is is perfect at uh, getting those kind of stories across. So uh,
0: yeah, and Joanna Barnes. Mm-hmm. who was vicky in the original film is mrs vicky blake in this film yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah she plays uh because they uh, in this one it's you know the names are all changed and stuff uh i don't even think i saw it but it, like Lindsay lohan is it's annie and hallie are the two sisters uh-huh. and but uh the fun part is that that Vicky Blake is in this movie, it's Meredith's mother and Meredith of course is the, the fiance of Dennis Quaid. Uh-huh. They, they have to get
0: rid of. Yeah I, so. thought, yeah. yeah. I thought that was brilliant casting. Yeah. For
1: yep. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. so I love it. I think you watch, watch either of them or both of them and you're going to really enjoy it. Okay. I haven't seen this version since it came out. So I have to, um, I'll have to watch that again. It holds up. (laughs) So, okay. All right. Well, mine is, I'm going back to another princess, and that is Sleeping Beauty from 1959. So, of course, we all know that when Princess Aurora is born, the entire kingdom is delighted except for the evil fairy Maleficent, who I think is one of the greatest villains Disney ever created up until the – live action version who places a curse on the young beauty that only a prince can break so Aurora is sent into hiding for her own safety and protected by fairies Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether and so under the name of Briar Rose uh, she lives in the forest unaware of her royal blood yet despite every precaution being taken the princess's destiny plays out as she pricks her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and falls into a deep sleep. And it's up to the daring Prince Philip to brave the fire-breathing dragon and awaken the sleeping beauty with true love's kiss. Now, although Princess Aurora is betrothed to Prince Philip seemingly without meeting him in advance, they still ultimately fall in love. Although, unbeknownst to them, they have met um but didn't realize who each other was um however in this film unlike like um snow white and cinderella philip is not just a charming prince uh, we get to know him you know we meet him as a little boy when he first meets the infant uh, you know aurora and he has a typical little boy's reaction to him which i thought was very cute you know little boys just tend to not be into babies um but we see his personality when he encounters briar rose in the forest and they have that lovely waltz together as they as they sort of discover each other and get to know each other and then he has to prove his bravery and love by battling and conquering the evil fairy Maleficent to rescue not only his princess, but he has to rescue the whole kingdom, who's fallen into this deep sleep. Now, if if I were Princess Aurora's parents, <laughs> I'd be disappointed that after only a few hours at home, after 16 years in a forest, she was going to go, she was going off to marry a prince. But, you know, after everything that he went through, <laughs> he should be a good son-in-law and an addition to the royal family. So you know, so I I like that this in this film he fights for what he wants. Yeah, you know, and um, and this and this film is also a feast for the eyes. Uh, this was an outrageously expensive film for the Walt Disney Studio to make and it was ultimately a flop. Um but it's a feast for the eyes with designs and backgrounds by Ivan Earl. And and again we've talked about this film and Ivan Earl in in the past and what went into the making of this film and the artistry. And it's magnificent. They based the cat the castle in, in Disneyland Paris on this film. Mm-hmm. And um and it's the most beautiful, I think, of all the castles, and it, and and ultimately, this film got discovered by the public and by critics who panned it, and and now it is considered one of the masterpieces of the Disney Studio, and 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 it should be rightfully so. I think it's a, it has a, again another film that has everything. It has the lovely princess who's the damsel in distress it has the, the, the fairies it has the, again one of the most monstrous um, villains in who, who she there's no redeeming qualities about her whatsoever and then this brave prince who, who goes up against her um, I, think, I think it's just a wonderful wonderful film
1: yeah it it is and i love that once upon a dream waltz that's like yes it's one of my favorite
0: the music by tchaikovsky uh, you know from the ballet yeah i mean it's gorgeous as well so yeah um, it just it adds it adds to it the
1: entire time so yeah
0: uh, I, i just the music itself is romantic yeah. and if you and, the score. Uh,
1: and, and if you think it's romantic I think you would think even more about the uh, six, the successful se- sequel to Maleficent in which uh, they really get to explore explore Aurora's uh, love with her, her new fiance and meeting the family and having them meet Maleficent it's a good time
0: I've never seen it okay well one day
1: when you, to, to your credit you said you would wait till it's on Disney Plus and it's not yet so and
0: considering the issues I'm having with Disney Plus at the moment who knows yeah, that's also a good point <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, we are I guess we're at my last choice then and yeah. this is this where this is
0: our last choice for the evening so this yeah. is when you bring out your chocolate cake and your champagne and all of this stuff to to wind up your Valentine's Day yeah. with this film from Craig.
1: Yes, and this one I am really going off book here because for my for my last pick, I'm not even going with a Disney movie at all. Well,
0: and well, it sort of
1: is now. <laughs> it it is now owned by Disney, but but no, it was not uh, originally with actually i guess it was because it was made by touchstone so it kind of always has been but regardless with that i am going with uh, a movie that is really pushing the limits of being on disney plus itself because it's very teen-centric and that is the romantic comedy 10 things i hate about you so, uh, if you were growing up during the 90s, especially that late 90s, then you absolutely saw this movie. It is it it was huge back then and it's still very popular with people of my age today. And if you haven't seen it before, essentially it's a it's a new take on uh, Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And it's it's all about this this girl cat played by julia styles uh which this was her breakout movie and i know she's not really a big name anymore to this day but like there for a while the late 90s early 2000s she was the the biggest thing and you know mm-hmm. she's a uh she's a definitely a she's a peach so to say the least uh very very strong-willed and strong-minded at that point too. You know, very feminist, and she wants to go across the country to, I believe, Sarah Lawrence, and and get away from her family and and be the person she wants to be. And her sister is played by uh, Larissa Olanek, and uh, which many people uh, my age know her as uh, the main lead of Secret World of Alex Mack from the 90s on Nickelodeon.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And, yeah, uh, I heard that. Yeah, and so she's uh, the younger sister, Bianca, who wants to start dating. And uh, the dad makes a, uh, a pact with them that says that, that Bianca can start dating when when Kat will start dating. And of course, she is essentially swore off all men and doesn't want anything to deal with them. So then Bianca has to work with uh, one of the new kids who they kind of uh they, they meet together as he's the new kid in school and that's his name's Cameron, played by Joseph Gordon Levitt, which this oh, I was like him. Yeah, and this was kind of his first movie after Third Rock from the Sun and or maybe right during the end of that, that then this obviously launched him and still very, very successful to this day. So everyone out there knows him, but uh, bianca makes a tries to you know he he's definitely crushing on her hard and so he will try to work with another guy to to get cat to date so that way bianca can start dating and the guy that, that Cameron goes after to try to get him is kind of the 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 troubled kid that people don't know if he he murdered his family or what but uh it's an Australian by the name of patrick in the movie but we know him better is heath ledger and who grows up to be the joker so he probably did um, murder his parents yeah, maybe but i mean it's <laughs> yeah, but yeah heath ledger i mean the the biggest of all the names to come out of this movie because uh, no one foresaw his career going where it did and of course the issues that he faced from that and passing away way too soon as he was just about to break to the next level but yeah then it it plays off where you know he's getting paid to to try to to try to date cat and and along the way they actually start getting that connection and it becomes more of him pursuing her because he actually genuinely does have feelings and and you know it's so it's really really romantic and of course something that that has has its uh its roots in shakespeare you know of course there has to be a dash of romance in there but it's a mm-hmm. you know it's a romantic comedy of the the late 90s and so it's it's very much a movie of its time but i think it's actually one that a lot of people uh you know they might have heard about but they probably never actually saw it and it's actually worth worth a watch so if, if anything there's a great kind of cameo in the beginning by Allison Janney and she's oh, I like
0: her too yeah,
1: and she's the guidance counselor of the school but she's like she's really into really really nasty uh, erotic literature and so uh, it's yeah she has a couple funny moments in there and so it's just a lot of great people in the cast and and just with all these people who ended up becoming you know even bigger stars it just it all worked right back then and i think i think you should check it out if you haven't
0: yeah no i've I've not watched it i know it was a television series because i remember i never watched it but i remember it was but um i guess quite a while later
1: i actually forgot that it was a, a tv show too but yeah you're right
0: yeah. So anyway, well, that's it. That is that's our lineup for you to help you make your Valentine's Day special, a Disney special day with your special someone. So just think of me and Craig as as, as your Disney cupids for this. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed it. And, and let us know what, what's on your uh, Disney list for Valentine's Day and um, what, are you, what will you be watching yeah. well you know there may be some notable moments for Disney films in this week in Disney history Well, here we are in the week of February 9th. And uh, so let's, let's start out. And we're going to start out, you know, we just, I just mentioned that how 10 Things I Hate About You is a television series. So we're going to jump right into a moment in Disney television history. So, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color airs part one of a three-part story called The Scarecrow of Romney Marsh. I love this one. A combination of the Robin Hood and Scarlet Pimpernel stories, and this ran on February ninth, 1964. The one-hour episode features Patrick McGowan as the Reverend Dr. Christopher Sin unfortunately for walt most television viewers were watching a program on cbs what was america watching on this night uh being a
1: being a massive beatles fan i believe this would line up to uh when they were on the ed sullivan show for their first time
0: Absolutely. More than 73 million television viewers are watching the much anticipated American debut of the Beatles mm-hmm. on CBS TV's The Ed Sullivan Show. And I guess. I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, I would have been one of them too. So, uh, I, yeah. and, and Think- no offense, but. <laughs> No, I, I mean, um, I was in second grade, I believe. And they were the talk of the schoolyard the next day. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, yeah. So, Okay, um, February 10th. Why did Elias Disney sell his Chicago house on Trip Avenue to Walter Chamberlain on February 10th, 1906?
1: Uh, I'm assuming it's because they were moving.
0: Uh-huh. And where are they
1: moving to? Oh, I... Well, it was the Chicago house that he sold, and what, they lived in four places through Walt's childhood? They, they got around. <laughs> I mean, the only one I can think of off the top of my head, because I'm getting tired, is is Marceline.
0: You're absolutely right. Elias, his wife, Flora, and five children, Herbert, Raymond, Roy, Walter, and Ruth, are picking up roots, and they're moving to Marceline, Missouri. All right. Very good. Okay, February 11th. Well, since you're a Beatles fan, I think you'll know this one. On February 11th, 1963, the Beatles record the song written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Do You Want to Know a Secret, for their upcoming Please Please Me record album. What did John Lennon say the song is based on? I do not know this one. This is going to be new Ah. trivia for me. Well, and there's a Disney connection mostly written by john lennon it is sung by george harrison lennon based the song on wishing well from walt disney's 1937 animated feature film snow white and the seven dwarfs his mother would sing it to him when he was a little boy hmm. I, i've never heard that before but yeah yeah i i'd, I'd heard this several times yeah, yeah. and now we'll go back and listen to it And then um, I'm
1: kind of thinking about it in my head right now, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess I could put that connection together.
0: Yeah. Okay, February twelfth, illusionists and tiger lovers Siegfried and Roy appear on the TV special Disney's Magic in the Magic Kingdom on February twelfth, nineteen eighty-eight. What theme park attraction do they make disappear? I know. seen this is where i'm
1: second guessing myself because i know there was one magician that tried to make the castle disappear but i didn't think it was siegfried and roy
0: which castle
1: oh i i don't I, I couldn't even tell you i just i remember that someone made a castle disappear so i'm guessing i think there was Oh go ahead. It would have either been Disneyland's Walt Disney World's. I don't believe it would be Tokyo Disney's. Mm-hmm. But um, Okay. You,
0: you've got a 50 50 chance here.
1: <laughs> go ahead and guess. <laughs> oh. See, then you said You said it was magic in the Magic Kingdom?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll go with Magic Kingdom then.
0: Yeah. No, it was Disneyland's Sleeping Beauty Castle. They made it disappear. I think was it David Copperfield who made the 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 other one disappear Cinderella Castle disappear. That- I'm not sure because he made so many things disappear. He made yeah. the Empire State Building, and that's disappear. who I was thinking. I-, I remember when he made he made a jumbo jet I think disappear at one point. Now I wonder if Siegfried and Roy after they made Disneyland Sleeping Beauty Castle disappear, then said to Disney, "Hey, you want it back? Cough <laughs> up a little more money here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right okay February 13th an animator and one of Walt's original nine old men passed away whilst working on the rescuers on February 13th 1976 who was this Disney legend
1: um, I think think I'm just gonna have to let you answer this one for me
0: this is John Lounsperry He is still a studio employee and currently working on The Rescuers, and he passed away at St. Joseph's Hospital in California across the street from the Walt Disney Studio. He was first hired in 1935, and he worked on, like, everything. On Pinocchio, Dumbo, Song of the South, Alice in Wonderland, you know, Peter Pan, Melody Time, The Jungle Book, you know, and Robin Hood. And he will be named a Disney legend in 1989. All right. Okay, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So on February 14th, 2010, the Walt Disney Company crossed a milestone regarding its founder. What was this milestone? Mm,
1: 2010, did you say?
0: Yes. I'm not quite sure. So, this is this is an obscure one. On this date, the Walt Disney Company has operated longer without Walt Disney than it did with him. Uh-huh. The company was founded on October sixteenth, nineteen twenty-three, and Walt passed away on December
1: fifteenth, nineteen sixty-six. Yeah, I mean, I I. I would not have thought of that, but that is a that's an interesting one, and it's one of those things that I've been thinking about this to myself very often lately. Where I've gotten into this loop now, where I do think like, oh, we've lived in a world where longer now, where uh, you know, the one example I used to use was all the way, which I don't know why I didn't start there, was that when the ear hat was taken down at Hollywood Studios at the point that it was, it was erected and how long it stayed, more people had visited Hollywood studios with it at that time than they had ever had the chance to do without it there. So that's why Mm -hmm. it made sense why so many people had such an affection for that hat. And like, I just think about it with all all random stuff in my life like oh it's now been it's now been <laughs> longer that this tv show has been off the air than it was when i was growing up and it was waiting for it to come out and you know just dumb stuff that i don't know why i do it <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, most things of my life have been gone longer <laughs> than they were here. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, okay. All right, In February 15th, in an exclusive ceremony at Disneyland, hundreds of cast members come together on February 15th, 2006, to celebrate one of the park's original attractions, the Disneyland Railroad, and to join in a dedication of two additions to this railway – What was added to this railway?
1: I believe if I remember listening during my ABD way back when, that this would have been the year that the, um, that isn't this the year that the Lily Bell came back after refurbishment or being Mm -hmm. gone?
0: That's one. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's where I'm going to have to to stop there I'm not quite sure what
0: else it's the new Ward Kimball steam engine oh,
1: okay okay yeah.
0: yeah yeah the early morning event at the Frontierland train station was hosted by Disneyland Resort President Matt Weimet and honors the namesakes of the engine legendary Disney animator Ward Kimball and the restored parlor car named after Walt Disney's widow Lillian Disney so that's it you had a good week so craig what are you are you going to be um watching any of these films that we talked about today with kylie you know sometime during valentine's day week
1: i'll probably i'll probably watch maybe one or two of them so i think if i had to be honest about what i'd watch it's been a long time since we've sat down and watched wally together so i think that would be that would be one of them and then uh i would probably we already watched princess and the frog so i can't i can't add that on and actually we just watched tangled too so i'm gonna scratch those off so the other one i would think is uh you know i'd probably say to her let's watch 10 things i hate about you because Uh, you know, she would have only been nine when that came out. So there's a chance that she didn't see it. And I would, I could introduce it to her for the first time.
0: That's good. And then introduce her to the parent trap from (laughs) the original. Uh, She'll fall asleep.
1: (laughs) She'll, Uh, I put on a movie last night that it it was the new fast and furious movie. The last one that came out. And I was like, there's no way she's fallen asleep. It's loud. It's noisy. It's everything. (laughs) 20 minutes she was out completely
0: so <laughs> that's funny yeah, yeah. yeah so um, yeah I well, this will be my first Valentine's without carols so I haven't decided what I'm going to do but um, I know that weekend I'm going with friends to Lasseter family winery we're doing a wine tasting mm. so that'll be fun so I'm looking forward to that
1: I'll, I'll trade you I'll do so, that <laughs>
0: What you're, and, and what, so you're giving me Kylie? Yeah, I guess cat? so. Yeah. Let her sleep on my couch. Yeah. That works. The cats <laughs> will enjoy the cats will enjoy having her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let us know if you enjoy us doing these uh, Walt Disney classic movies from the Disney Plus Vault with Michael and Craig. And if you do, Craig and I will start planning for our next installment, you know, maybe maybe for Arbor Day, you know, celebrate that or something. You never know. So, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me on a uh, random
1: assortment of the shows that we have on the DisUnplugged Podcast Network. But uh, then you can always find me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about
0: you? you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at MBowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at com, and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day, and remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man. Walt Disney, and his brother Roy.